Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thanks so much for listening to these episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the absolute world to me. If everybody in your industry is joining the conversation with something that's trending in your industry, saying the same thing, be the person who says the exact opposite. You've gotta get around people that are doing the shit you wanna be doing on the level and volume of what you wanna be doing. Go in and be the damn student. I could learn from every person in this room. Think about how you talk about your business. Yes, passion sells. But you can't carry on a real conversation outside the passion. You're gonna lose. So the whole point of all of this is one, show up as you, fucking loud. Two, Get yourself in frickin' rooms that scare the shit out of you. It's really about looking at those things that you know will move the business forward and doing them anyways. Thank you for allowing me to always show up as me, and thank you for showing up as you. All right, Mickey. Uh Running a small business, having clients all over North America, you know, the biggest thing that we've been focusing on is word of mouth marketing, right? That's been the number one thing that's grown our business. Everybody knows it's powerful as hell, but we were seriously contemplating getting into the PR game and looking at getting some publicity and some awareness around what we're doing. Um, if I'm a small business owner, you know, where do I start when it comes to PR? Is it focusing on my unique selling proposition or is it just writing something and hoping it gets picked up? Right. So with PR, you're looking to do a PR campaign. So you have six to eight press releases, six to eight opportunities to, uh, engage with the media and have at least one of them work. Uh, the types of releases, uh, yeah, you can focus on your unique selling proposition, what it is that you do that's different than everybody else, uh, what makes you the kick-ass business that you are uh, against all the other businesses out there in your space. Um, you know, it could be sharing your story. Uh, you know, the people that appear on Shark Tank often open with how, you know, their, their journey to build this business or that product. And the reason for that is people relate to that. So, you know, don't discount the human interest element of storytelling and journalists do like storytelling. And so make sure that anything that you are announcing has the elements of a story. Um, you know, a lot of people do a product launch, uh, press release, and they just say, here's our product. Here's a list of features. Here's a buy button. And that really is missing the storytelling, uh, elements. So to beat that up, I would suggest that you add a use case study, someone who used this, uh, product or service what their experience was, uh, you know, what, what, what was solved with this product, as well as get a quote from them about, you know, their experience. And that gives the journalists a lot more elements to build a story and be able to create the types of articles that they like to create. And, uh, you know, you, you don't always, uh, write a press release thinking that in mind, but you really should, you know, almost mm -hmm. reverse engineer, what is a journalist looking for? And how can I put those elements in, in the press release so that they'll want to share that with their audience? So what, I mean, what are they looking for? When I think about journalists, right? I think about news and right. I hate the news. I hate everything about the news. Right. And, I, and, and, you know, it's unfortunate that, that you do at some point in company got to get exposure by being on those platforms. So you're, you're, you're right between the murder, the death, the rape and the, you know, freaking riots. And sure. then you pop in, right? You know, um, so, so that's always a struggle. So, I mean, what the hell are they actually looking for that would make a guy, you know, cool. I've got a cool story of being a blue collar kid that, you know, turned around and built my companies to the level they are. I mean, I've got that story, but so do a hundred thousand other people have that same story. What, what are they looking for? What, what story am I going to pull that grabs them? I think that, uh, you're just looking for something that's uniquely your story and sort of defines you as, as different in the, in the space. Um, you know, if, if it is that you're providing a service, like many other are, are providing the similar service, what is it that's different about you? You know, what is unique? Uh, sometimes if you feel like I don't really have anything that I'm newsworthy, you know, going on in my business, 
you can sort of just manufacture the news, become the news. And a lot of people really tell me that way. What do you mean by manufacture? Do a survey or study within your industry and send that out with your thoughts as to why the survey uh, had the results that it did. Um, I like to do a survey of 16 questions. The press release will probably focus on two or three of the biggest aha moments. What were the biggest surprises? Um, you want to ask questions that are really relevant and timely right now. So what's going on in your industry that's different than it was three years ago or, you know, even six months ago? Um, you know, are you having, you know, staffing issues, uh, you know, maybe having, I think everybody's having staffing issues right now, <laughs> right? You know, the, the culture is changing and people are wanting to work differently. They want to work from home. They don't want a, necessarily to invest in a culture in the office. And so it makes it very challenging, but you can ask questions about that. Um, you can also ask questions if you, you know, notice that you're tightening the belt when it comes to marketing in the next couple of quarters ask, you know, are you spending more or less in the next quarter or two on your marketing budget? Those are all really good indicators that can sort of show things that are happening within your industry. And, you know, you, you then take the two or three questions out of that 16 question survey and, uh, you know, uh, pick the ones that were the, 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 you know, the ones you feel are, you're going to get the most mileage out of, or the journalists are going to find the most interesting and put them in a press release and talk about them, have a quote by you, you know, analyzing why you felt the results turned out that way. You're now the expert and you're positioning yourself as an expert. And I know that that can be challenging a lot because a lot of small businesses feel like I'm not important enough to, to send well, out a press release or matter. Right. I'm more curious. I mean, cause I, 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 I agree with you. A lot of people are going to struggle with being seen as the expert, you know, they're, they're in their head. They're like, I'm just a small business owner type thing. But I'm more fascinated right now at the, at the thought of, excuse me, I'm going to put a survey together um, that asks my customers, you know, what's their marketing spend going to be coming up? Are they holding back or what are they doing about hiring or, or things like that? How does me commenting on that put me in a position of authority that they'd want to either interview me or run that, that article? I think that um, it's... the the journalist is asking the question, are these questions ones that my audience would want to know the answers to? And so it's a, it's about asking the right questions and it really doesn't matter necessarily who's sending it out. It's were really cool questions asked. And did you get some, you know, really interesting responses and provide some analysis as to why you feel they were, they responded that way. Uh, I I've had this work with a local auto repair shop in Pennsylvania who sent out a, a survey uh, to other independent repair shops across the US. And they just did not believe that it would work. And they got picked up in over 10 uh, automotive trade publications. What were they asking though? Okay. So with them, I always recommend uh, that in the 16 questions you ask, um, I recommend using like SurveyMonkey. We have four pages, four questions per page. So if someone stops halfway, you've still got half the responses and you've asked the most important questions. So you've got their responses. On the last page, spends a little time asking uh, left field questions, weird questions. And the one that we asked and the one that the press release ended up being about was what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired? And it was open field. So there was no statistical relevance to any of the responses. And we just put a roundup of what we felt like were the 50 most interesting, um, uh, uh, responses on the website. And we also put the questions and answers for all of the, uh, survey on that page. It was a resource page that we had built for it. And then in the press release, we mentioned, I think the top 20 or top 25 of those responses. And that was what went viral. The, you know, the automotive industry really loved it. Um, you know, this auto repair shop felt like, you know, who are we to be doing this? And I'm just like, you're the person who just put it together and, and sent it out. And as a result, they got links back to them. They got mentioned in all of these places. Um, and so that's the ROI is, is the backlinks, the, the things is that. Is it an SEO play then? Is it a, for them? A, it was because okay, okay. they had a domain name tied to the yellow pages that went dark. And mm. so they had a new domain name and an SEO person said, you know, if you can get authority links, especially within your industry, that would go really far. And it did. I mean, within 90 days, they were ranking top one yeah. result in the, in their area for auto repairs.
And, you know, one of the pushbacks we get from people doing uh, a survey is I don't know who to send it to. I don't have an audience big enough. Um, like maybe it's not your customer base, but maybe it's, you know, other people, competitors in your industry that you're trying to reach. And in their case, all they did was uh, partner with a small, I think it was an independent repair shop association. And there's lots of independent and small trade associations that have members. Uh, generally, I like to have people have members of say, you know, 500 to to a thousand or more members is a really good, you know, sample pool. Um, you really are looking to try to get 150 or more responses. Um, but I've seen people work with less. Is that statistically and, relevant in 150? I mean, it, it's, it's enough for journalists to be interested in okay. a, a story. Um, it, it okay. seems, it seems to be, um, less than that there, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a little bit more like you're curating or shaping the results as a result of that. <laughs> sure. So, um, it, it, it can work. And I, I, you know, and what I recommend when you reach out to a smaller independent trade association is say, Hey, I'm doing this survey. Here's the link. I would love it. If you could send this out to your members, I'll mention you in the press release I'll be issuing over the wire. Most of the smaller independent trade associations see this as a huge win-win and they'll often do it. I've had a couple push back and say, could we co-brand the survey? And I don't feel a big loss of anything by doing that. It, it just gives more, more legitimacy to you. Uh, but you know, they're, they're really great partners. The large trade associations aren't interested in working with people like this. They like to control everything and they're going to be harder to try to navigate, trying to get something like this, uh, a survey done. Uh, but it's something that anyone can do. And if you feel like you're just not newsworthy or don't matter to the media, it's one of the ways in which you can sort of, you know, hey, I've created this, this survey. I've got these numbers. I own this data. It's mine. And if you, you know, uh, want to share it with your members or your audience as a journalist, uh, you know, here, here I am. And here's some quotes by me. And, you know, that's another really great way to stand out is have amazing quotes. Uh, so many people write quotes for the media as an afterthought. And what they don't realize is that a journalist can build an entire story around an amazing quote. Mm. And you want to say something that can't be er easily paraphrased or generalized. Uh, you want to say something that they're going to have to include you because I've had people uh, do press releases. They have a quote in it and then a story runs and the company's not even mentioned in the, in the uh, actual article that they inspired. And it's not because that journalist was trying to cut them out of the story, but they mentioned them in there, usually through a quote and the managing editor saw it and said, this is a weak quote. Why bother having it in here? Cross mm. them out and not even realize that they inspired the story with their press release. And now they're not even in it. So that that's one of the things that can happen. So having an amazing quote, uh, working with data. And sometimes it doesn't have to be your data through a survey or study. If you're just put data together that's publicly available in an interesting way, uh, it can really sort of go far as to elevating the newsworthiness of your press release. So if you have a product launch, you know, maybe talk about a certain percentage of people in your industry are facing the same challenge or a similar challenge. And, you know, those kinds of numbers can really make it, you know, more of a stronghold for journalists to cling to when they're writing an article. And there's a lot of things to unpack in there. Um, the first one, I, so as I'm thinking through, I've got all these ideas around press releases we should attempt to do, you know, but I'm thinking, God, how, what's in the survey? What questions am I asking? You know, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to, well, how do I know it's as powerful damn quote? Uh, what's the mechanics behind that? So we'll, let's start with, you know, what questions are we asking in the survey uh, itself? Is it so? Just to help you a little bit, I run B2B, business-to-business -business networking groups um, all throughout North America. So we bring, you know, service-based business owners together and teach them to collaborate and open doors through introductions to the right rooms, the right people, the right opportunities, that type of thing. So I've got a collective community uh, of size. What, what survey, would I, would I put a survey out to them? Would I put a survey out to my customers or would I put a survey out somewhere else? I know there's a lot of questions kind of thrown sure. in there, but. <laughs> sure. I find that the surveys that attracts journalists the most are the ones that are where you're talking to people within your industry. Um, and you know, that, that may be colleagues or partners, or it could be competitors in the marketplace. 
generally those do the best with like trade publications and sometimes with newspapers. But, you know, you can also have a survey of your customers and clients and what they're facing. And that could be interesting as well. I find that if you're a local based business and your market is local, uh, getting a survey of your clients can be really good for local media, you know, mm. local newspapers, uh, you know, maybe radio, TV, uh, as well as like, you know, if you're looking at to have a business magazine or newspaper in your market as well. Yeah. And then what questions are we asking? I mean, is it, is it, um, because you're not going to, you can't make it all about your business. Nobody's ever going to pick that up. Right. Sure. So am I asking them industry? Am I asking them projections? What, what am I trying to uncover? You want to just ask questions that would interest people in your industry that would want to know the answer. So, uh, you know, sometimes surveys can be very specific. Uh, you know, one that what types of surveys I'm seeing that are very common that are thematic or like AI, you know, mm -hmm. are you using AI in your industry? Uh, you know, do you feel AI is a, just put uh, chat GPT and into anything and it's going to run. I mean, <laughs> right, right. And you know what people are, people's thoughts about that are, uh, you know, uh, the, the writers are going to have one perspective, you know, people who write for a living, the feeling that AI potentially is, a, a you know, going to replace them or potentially could. And then you're going to have other people who feel like this is a tool and can assist us. Um, you know, getting a feel in your industry about people's perceptions about things like that could be really useful. Um, so, but you know, other thematic things could be sometimes environmental. Um, you know, if you're in an industry that's, uh, rapidly changing because of environmental concerns, um, like the automotive industry is facing a lot of changes and shifts and things along those lines. Um, you can sort of put together some uh, questions that are around that. And you want to pick sort of like hot button items, you know, not the ones that are like, uh, you know, does moving to AI scare you or something like that? But, you know, have you, you know, what are the challenges around it? You know, what are the things that uh, you found hard or easy to implement? Um, I think that also asking questions that are affecting, uh, uh, you know, the entire nation, uh, which could be like, you know, if you're heading in an, in a recession or out of a recession, asking questions that are specific to your economic health, your, as a company. And, you know, that can, uh, sort of, you know, get a perspective of what's going on there. Uh, you know, asking about, you know, spending, hiring, any of those things are really good for it. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, what, if you were at a conference or a trade show that was happening today. What are the kinds of questions you would love to just talk uh, to someone at the water cooler about, you know, Hey, have you noticed that, uh, you know, payables is now taking 80 to 90 days and it used to be, you know, net 30, you were always getting paid on time. And so it's like, yeah, we have noticed that you know, potentially that could be a question that you could ask. So, uh, you know, talk to, uh, colleagues, uh, talk to people within your own company, uh, talk to, uh, you know, people in other markets and just get a feel for what are the types of things that they would want to ask you and, you know, what's going on with you. And, you know, they could be, you know, marketing AI, it could, it, there's lots of different approaches and it's just a matter of brainstorming uh, what, what, what would really be 16 interesting questions to ask and, you know, sort of bury at the end of that questionnaire what are some you know left field questions you know like, how many left field questions should i have because i gotta do another question to chase that but i'm just curious sure i like two to four uh okay. you know uh, on that last page take two to four and just just go wild and you can even you know have it so that they're not responding yes or no or true or false or uh multiple choice but you can actually give them a uh, an area to, to, to write something like we did with the, uh, local auto repair shop. Um, but it does take a little bit more, you know, turning through the results because everybody's response is going to be right. different that way. Right. So, you know, like a common interest for a lot of our prospects, clientele, people we want to do business with or are doing business with is LinkedIn right now because of, uh, all the cool things going on over there, just as a pure idea. Would it make sense for us to go potentially survey 150, 200 LinkedIn experts, coaches, and the likes? Or would it make more sense to go inter uh, survey, you know, 
B2B business people in service-based businesses who are on LinkedIn and how actively they're using it or something along those lines, which would make more sense to try and put a survey to? I think that either one of them potentially could be a good survey audience. Um, it's, I think it has to go with intent and goals. Um, it, you know, is engaging with 150 individuals who are on LinkedIn, uh, going to be helpful, uh, to your business, getting their, their, their viewpoints, or is it going to be more strategic if you get it from people who are considered LinkedIn experts, uh, potentially, I think the LinkedIn experts might be potentially more valuable because I think that a lot of people will probably want to know the answer of that population over just the general population. But I've, I've seen it work really well for different audiences. I do think that the benefit of, uh, you know, reaching out to LinkedIn experts in, in that space is that you're kind of networking with experts. Yeah. It does give you a huge opportunity to get to know them. They yeah. get to know you. Uh, it's great branding. Uh, if they go through the survey, you know, on, on survey monkey, there's a, you know, when you're done, you click submit, uh, send them to your homepage or a page on your website, thanking them. And all of a sudden now you, you've got them on your website, you've, you know, uh, probably cookied them for remarketing. It's just, it's just a really, you know, valuable introduction and a great way to get them to know a little bit more about you. Yeah. And I, I love that. Cause for me, networking is all about not necessarily trying to get to your end user client. It's about getting to the people who already are working with your clients and getting great with them. And those LinkedIn experts are all working with our ideal clients. So, um, that, that, that would be a fun exercise to try and put together. What's a good quote, right? So I'm, I'm talking to these newspapers and you're like, you got to put together this like amazing quote that could almost tell a story or a journalist could write a story about it. How, how do you pick up a good quote like that? Because in my head, I'm like, oh, let's go chat GPT and go, what's a good quote to give to a journalist? You know, like 500 million other people are trying to do right now. Sure. I think that a really great quote is one that stands out. Uh, it's one that if a journalist was to paraphrase that, uh, would, would there be a loss and the loss could be the certainty with which it was spoken, um, the precision, the, the power of how it was spoken. It could also be the, the, the art of the writing itself. Like, was it a, just a beautifully said sentence? There's a lot of different things that could go into it. That's a, a great... lot to put into <laughs> one, one quote. I mean, it, it, right. you know, uh, I, I need to go hire like a really expensive copywriter to come up with one sentence for me. Right. But a lot yeah. of quotes are just written as like passive verb. Uh, we feel this is a really great asset to the company launching this product. And, you, you know, put some active verbs in there. You Can know, you give me an example of what a good quote would, what, what, what it would sound like just so I can wrap my head around it. Right. Let's. Hey, Donnie Bovin here, CEO of Success Champions Networking. And I just want to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. It's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. See, because I'm, you know, as I'm, you know, going through, I mean, I have quotes that people have repeated that I've said, right. um, but I don't, it not done from a journalistic nature. Sure. So let's see. I think that like having a quote where one person says something along the lines of, um, you know, I, I, I feel like this product, uh, you know, addresses the need in the marketplace. And, uh, I, I feel like it can be a really great asset to any business. That's like a safe generic quote. But if you right. said something along the lines of, you know, this, this, this product, uh, ad addresses the biggest need in our marketplace, which is a lack of that. And it's like, wow, that's very succinct. And it immediately has something that's very identifiable where you've identified what, what, what it does. And it, so it, just it almost makes it, tells a story versus trying to 
convince or anything. It's, sure. it's coming maybe from a more of a place of authority. Right. Absolutely. Okay. All right. It's fascinating. I, I never thought about doing, re- uh, you know, press releases in this. Re- I mean, when I think about a press release, I'm like, Hey, we got an event coming up or we're doing a book launch, you know, type of thing. I, this almost feels like you're gaming the system a little bit and I'm, I'm good with that. You know, um, uh, I, I like finding those little tiny loopholes sometimes or, you know, ways that you can get around what some of the big houses and things are doing. How much do does like case studies play into doing these releases? Is it important that we have case studies go with it? Is that just like backup reference material? What do we do with case studies in general? I think the case studies can be very valuable because they they really can fill out that need for a journalist who's looking for a story. So whatever you're announcing or sending out, having a use case or a case study can really go a long ways towards sort of fleshing out the story within what you're announcing. And I, I found, found that they can be really valuable. Um, you know, the, you look at the product launch release that just says, here's our product, here's uh, bullets of all of our features, and here's a buy button. It's, it's really hard for journalists to, you know, draft right. a compelling story there. But if you include a case study uh, of what someone's results were, uh, ideally getting a quote from them as well can, can really go a long ways towards, uh, you know, fulfilling the needs of a journalist, uh, who's, who's trying to get it out there. At the end of the day, a journalist is a gatekeeper and right. they're trying to decide if this bit of news that you have is worth sharing with their audience. And I think that, you know, fulfilling some of those needs, uh, for, you know, an audience like human interest element, uh, having another person who has uh, a challenge and came to your product, found your product to be very valuable. This was the results that they had. And here's a quote that sort of just sort of, uh, hones into why your product was a perfect solution for them can really go a long ways. Yeah. I, I just think trying to get something that a reporter is going to run, has got to be a, a, somewhat of an ordeal because yeah, their ass is on the line every time they run an article. So, so if they put out something that it flops, you know, that's their job. Sure. Um, so there has to be some absolute, you know, strategy behind it. Um, we don't have a whole lot of case studies. We've got lots of cool testimonials, but on the case study side of thing, I can't say that we've ever gone down that route. Um, a case study in your mind, is that a static set of questions you ask a client or somebody who's used your product or services, um, and then you come back and put that all together, or is it there, there more finesse to it than that? I, I find that that can be very valuable, having a set of questions that lead people through a Q&A to get some responses to build out a case study. But one of the ways that I go about it is I'll take an interesting a client who had great results and I will, you know, address it as here was the challenge. This is, this was, you know, I I talked to them and asked, you know, what was the challenge going into this? And a lot of people are just like, I don't know. And it's like, well, would you say that you were facing, you know, how, how to market in a different way? And and we're looking at PR for that and like, yeah, you know, so you you sort of get that. And and I, I sort of build a story like, you know, here was, here was this client, uh, this was the challenge that they had. Um, you know, this was, uh, we sent it out. This was the results. And then I'll be like, Hey, you know, I, I often see the results. So I was like, Hey, I noticed that you got in the wall street journal and the New York times. They're like, yeah, that was really great. And then they just talk. And they usually talk excitedly. Um, they talk about what that meant for them. Uh, right. Usually it's more customers or they got a really great lead for a big sale or something really powerful happened from it. And then just putting that out there as, you know, the elements of this, of the, of the case study of like, this was, uh, what they saw. Um, maybe when you got them to talk, you, you got together, uh, a potential quote that you can ask them if the, it would be okay if you use this. And, uh, you know, sometimes you can massage that a little bit and say, you know, uh, this was sort of paraphrase what you were talking about. Are you okay with that? And we're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Right. And so all, I think all of those go a long way. I think that, uh, you know, if, if you can build out a way of, you know, talking to your client, uh, after, 
you know, they've, they've worked with you for a little bit with some ready-made questions can, can go a long way, but, you know, sometimes just talking with someone sort of debriefing after, uh, you know, they've spent a considerable amount of money with you and you, you, you've seen, you know, that there's been some results because what, what you've seen, uh, could potentially be a good time to, to, you know, sit in with them and get their thoughts on the entire, you know, experience. So what that can be think through, you know, I've got a client that in six months in doing one of our masterminds, you know, she tripled her business and, you know, so there's a phenomenal result on the back end. How do I take her through to be able to capture that information so that I get a killer, you know, case study, but on the, on the back end of that, what value does that have for a journalist? I'm just basically saying, yeah, we kick ass with our clients. Right. Yeah. Why would a journalist pick that up? So I think that having a track record and sharing people's experiences and, uh, and, and the, you know, the, the, the path that they've gone through, uh, be it inspirational or vulnerable, um, is, is the, the, the ingredients that a journalist is looking for. Um, you know, I think that as a service-based business who just has a, a good case study that in and of itself, isn't going to be enough, right. I think, to get you over the hump of, of getting an article. But I think that, you know, maybe it's focusing on, uh, you know, a relaunch of your service or maybe a, a specific, uh, approach that you're taking with your service that's novel or new. That there's a milestone that's happening along with that case study uh, can, can can work really well for you. And sometimes it could be, you know, something as benign as an anniversary. You know, you know we're, we're celebrating 10 years in business and looking back uh, at the growth methods that we've used uh, to help our clients. Uh, we've noticed that, you know, in our last six clients, uh, they all saw this result. And one in particular actually saw a, tr a tripling uh, of their business as a result of this and then have a quote by her said, you know, saying, wow, you know, the, you know, tripling my business as, as, as was, was something I didn't think that was possible in such a short period of time or something along those lines. And all of a sudden you can sort of see the story sort of potentially coming together. Yeah, no, the, that's the, the anniversary one got me well, because, you know, we just wrapped up year four, the badass business summit will hit year five next year. So that's a, that's a cool twist and play on it. You know, does this work for like local radio and the things, or is this strictly focused in on, on press releases and articles and likes? So the thing is radio and TV does pick up press releases. They do look for stories on the wire. And so potentially I, I it, it can lead to that. Um, you know, I've had clients who've got picked up on local TV and radio, uh, as well as like national news, like good morning America and even late night TV. Uh, that's, uh, that's winning the lottery right there. I mean, it is. <laughs> we, we had one client, celebra ducks, which makes celebrity ducks. Uh, they, they also make historical ones like Shakespeare in a rubber ducky form and, and all kinds of, you know, uh, celebrities and things along those lines. And, uh, they, they got, uh, picked up on the late night TV show. Uh, yeah. they got to come out and share some of their wacky creations and things like that. And that is a huge milestone yeah, to, to yeah. have that happen because that's the uh, equivalent of a YouTube video going, you know, a hundred million views type of thing, you know, exactly. And I, I, I deal with clients who get media pickup and it's, it's great. They get a few sales from it. And then I also get some that they get uh, one article and then they get, you know, a $25 million sell uh, from that one article. And so it's all over the place what a success is, um, you know, but generally what we're looking for is getting these articles written by journalists and uh, potentially, you know, you know, getting new customers through that, but also using these links that you've created on these websites uh, to put your customers, expose them to it as well as your leads. So, uh, generally one of the things that my clients notice is that, um, when they get links from an article that they got picked up in, they're like, it looks like a third of the people that visit our website bought, is that possible to have a conversion rate of 30, 40%? Mm. 
And I'm like, it is, you know, not everybody who read the article clicked through to visit you, but the ones that did, you know, they read this article, you know, it's, it, it works as an implied endorsement, almost like a referral when a journalist writes about you. Um, it's not like a, seeing an ad, you, you read an article, you get this warm feeling about this company and you just want to do business with them. You don't open a new browser and say, can I get it 15% cheaper on Amazon or something right. similar to it? It, it really is. It creates this, this, this feeling that works really well. And if you could, you can then take that link to that article and share it with your customers. Customers are always going to be shopping around. They may not shop every year, but some of them do. And maybe this is the year that a couple are considering reshopping uh, who they're working with just to make sure they're working with the best company because it's been a few years they've worked with you. And they see that article and they're just like, I don't even have to do that this year. This is definitely the right company that we want to, you know, uh, to be associated with. Same thing with leads. There's always people that are on the fence and you're going to lose some of them. You, you didn't, you didn't convert them. Uh, but getting that link in front of them and having them read that article can be potentially just what they needed to push them to your side and win them as a customer. And so, you know, all of these opportunities, share them with your social media, uh, preserve them, put them on your website, you know, build a, a new, a new section on your website where you put all this great content, which can really attract the search engines as well. And, uh, it, it really does send a strong signal to people that you're, you know, you care about your reputation, you're out there, you know, making a name for yourself. Uh, you're owning a little bit of yourself in the media, uh, by, by, by getting out there. And, you know, I, I, I always share that there was a website my daughter sent me to and wanted me to buy her something for her birthday. And as soon as I saw it, I did not feel comfortable giving them my credit card. And so I went around their website and found that they had a press room and it had like eight years worth of press releases. And I'm like, well, they're definitely not a scam because no one's <laughs> going to go through and create a history of eight years worth of announcements to, to send something out. So I felt a little more comfortable and I, you know, I'm in PR, so maybe that is a little bit feeling that everybody <laughs> feels, but I do think that people look for indicators of, is this someone that I want to work with and someone who is taking the time to, um, announce milestones to the media and preserving them on their website is a really good, strong indicator that this is a business that cares about who they are and their identity. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I can't help but think this is a, like a, a long play though, because you don't know what's going to hit is, is, should, should you test this? I mean, do you, do you put out one story and be like, cool, a hit and then attack on question. How do you determine ROI from, from doing a press release? Right. So ROI is a little challenging because unlike with marketing, you don't really get to use tracking URLs or they're certainly not going to be respected by journalists. Uh, you know, so that makes it a little difficult, but I think that, um, you know, looking at your results and when you have successes, what they mean to you is, is a really good indicator. It, is it, is it links back to you or is it company mentions, um, you know, are there, uh, conversions that you can measure that came from an external article? Those are all really great indicators in which you could potentially measure. Um, you know, sometimes it's extremely obvious, uh, when you go viral with an article, that's just really meaningful in a major publication that it just sends you a lot of traffic and a lot of uh, customers. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a little bit more delicate and you just sort of have to go with a gut feel of like, I think that worked, but let me test it another month where I know predictably how much we do and see if there's a bump there. Uh, I think that testing one press release generally never works because, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're doing a, a campaign of press releases, say six to eight press releases over a period, which could be a year, could be a year and a half. And if you're really proactive, it could be like, uh, you know, six to eight press releases in six to eight months. Um, you're, you're, you're looking for a few, a few of these opportunities that you're testing to see what works. And as you have media success, you want to see, can I do that again? Uh, can I make it work for me? I have one client, uh, clutch.co that represents lots of little verticals. And they do a survey or study for each of these verticals and they do them annually. 
and uh, they they ask really engaging questions. Uh, the those uh, industries like to know the responses, and they on often get eight to fourteen articles for every press release that they do. And you know that that's something that they can do and just replicate over time. And it's really just one idea. It's it's the survey or study. Um, for other people, you may have to mix and match, and what gets success one time may not work again. You just have to test it and see. Um, I, I like to look at uh, other opportunities that you can do, like uh, uh, researching your industry for blind spots or gaps. Um, you know, what are the types of things that your trade publications and people in your industry don't really talk about? But, you know, maybe when you go to a conference, it is something that you always talk about. Uh, we did that for a carpet industry as a local carpet company in New Jersey. And we were taking their money month after month. They were doing a one-year campaign of 12 releases. And at month five, I felt so bad because nothing had happened. And we were brainstorming. And I just asked them who their biggest enemy was. And they said it was the big box home improvement stores. And I was just expecting it was like Ed's place across town. Right. Uh, and so we built a David versus Goliath press release approach where we talked about the challenges of marketing against the big box home improvement stores and also underlying why they're such an inferior solutions for homeowners. And that got picked up in over uh, 10 floor trade publications, one press release. And we continued to work that angle. And over a one-year period, we got about 30 some articles. Uh, over 20 were in floor trade publications local newspapers, New Jersey Magazine. Um, and the thing that they did was they put all those clippings together in one big book. They called it a brag book. And every time their salesperson went out to give someone a quote at their home, they would open that and show, look, we've been picked up by Floor Cover Weekly. Here we are in New Jersey Magazine. Here we are in the local newspaper. You're going to get quotes from a lot of people. We may not come in the cheapest, but we've been doing this for 30 some years and we have a much superior product than say big box home improvement stores, which don't even ask the people that they hire for installation, have you ever even installed carpet before? And we know because we come in and fix a lot of carpet mistakes from these places, restretching, re, uh, you know, trying to redo the seams so it's less noticeable. And when you use us, you're just gonna get it right. And by doing that, they started closing about 17% more sales by just mm. introducing that brag book as part of uh, their experience. And that's one of the ways in which, you know, researching your industry or blind spots can really pull out something that worked. And then it also shows what they did with it when they did get media pickup. And I think that that was just brilliant on their part because I didn't know what they were going to do with all these trade publication mentions because I knew their customers aren't reading floor trade publications. Right. Uh, but, but they were huge indicators, uh, and, uh, basically, uh, respected, uh, entities in their industry that they were able to pass along that credit, that, 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 uh, social proof and credibility so that it went through to them, uh, to these customers at home who then were like, yeah, this is the company we want to work with. Um, other types of press releases that work really well are, you know, being the friendly jerk, uh, AKA the contrarian. Uh, uh, is that something you're comfortable with? You don't want to alienate your customers, but if everybody's saying, Hey, we should be making the move for electric cars and either one person who says, Hey, I don't think so. I think we should stop before we move forward because the mining, uh, of, of the minerals for the batteries creates all kinds of environmental hazards. Uh, not to mention, we don't know what's going to happen to these batteries at the end of their life. Are we creating a bigger problem in landfills? Not to mention, you know, when these electric cars get in accidents and they catch on fire, they're almost impossible to put out. And so maybe we should sit and refine this for the next few years before we uh, push for its wide uh, use across the entire country. That's a way in which you don't sound unreasonable, but you are putting a position out there that really no one else in your industry may be positing or or sharing. And so yeah. that's a really great way because journalists want to be fair and balanced. So if they're going to write a lot of articles on electric cars, if you're the only person raising their hand and saying, I'm going to present the con or the negative of this, you stand the likelihood that you can be plugged into every story on this issue because no one else is there that's, uh, willing to say the negative side of things. Smart. 
So we launch, you know, these groups all over and, and like, I literally just had one launch, uh, this morning, uh, this morning that, uh, one of our chapters, does it make sense for us to, every time we launch a chapter in a local area to do a press release saying we've launched it and then what would be the kind of plan of attack to, to do just that? Right. I think that for local media. And I think that those would be the ones that would be most valuable for you. I don't think that you would have to even go through doing a press release or using a paid service. Uh, local media is really about connections. And if you think about it in every local market that you go into, there's probably less than six people who would potentially write about you. You know, look at the local paper, uh, who is the person who writes or covers your industry. You can look at the past. Uh, reach out to them, ask for their email address. You can call and ask, they'll give it to you. They're not trying to hide. They're members of the community. And, uh, if you just ask, say, Hey, I've, I've got a, a, a idea I'd like to pitch to so-and-so, uh, can I get their email address? They'll give it to you. Just build a small Rolodex of six to 10 people in each market. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, as you go into that market, uh, you could have something that you've prepared and share that. It could be as little as a few sentences and a great quote uh, of you talking about entering that marketplace. And I think that that's a great way to, uh, you know, start those little local uh, chapters that you were, you, were, you were having and then giving that Rolodex to them and letting them continue to nurture those relationships with the media, whether they get pick up or not, over time they will. Because what you'll notice is that after a while you might pitch four or five times a year to these local markets and maybe you don't get any pickup, but after a while they're going to be working on an article and they're looking to plug in someone, uh, cause that's another thing journalists do. Mm. They like to break it down locally. So here's how this environmental issue applies to a local business. They're going to think of you. Oh, that might be a great person to plug in here. And it's one of the reasons you see the same companies get recycled in local news often. It's not because they're paying a lot of people to, to, to get access or they're spending a lot of ad dollars. Often they're just the ones that are working the networking the most and being, being the most proactive. Would you, uh, that, so uh, that is actually really smart as hell. Um, would you recommend doing more your business journals or the local? So, so like in Fort Worth, Texas, we have the, the Fort Worth business press, right. That covers what a lot of our ideal clientele would be in there. But outside of that, there's the local newspapers that go to the homes and households. Uh, w- would you go after both yes. or, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like with local media, it's so easy to potentially get pickup that I think it's worth working all of those angles. Okay. Uh, if you're. If you're familiar enough with the market and you know that there's a TV program or a spotlight that the, maybe the news does occasionally, you may even ask who, who is the producer or booker of those spotlight segments and pitch them as well. Uh, it doesn't have to just be the newspaper or just the business publication. You can be creative with it. And I've also had people do really well with uh, community weekly papers that are often free. Uh, sometimes if you're in a local market, People don't think about those, but those yeah, can be sure. really great opportunities for you as well. You know, in this day and age with, with social media, yeah, you know, and I sold commercial printing for a number of years. I don't think about the old school stuff of the newspaper, you know, and, and those type of things. So that's going to be a fascinating thing to continue to explore. So, dude, we can keep doing this for a while. I'm going <laughs> to continue to get a whole bunch of free advice from which I appreciate the hell out of. Um, uh, what do you think is something that's happening in the industry that people need to watch out for? Is there any like scams or anything as they're trying to explore doing PR releases or anything that should be, be worried about? Right. Yeah. There's a lot of places that have newswire in their name that are not newswires in the U S there are three newswires of press releases. Okay. It's a uh, PR newswire, which is the oldest and largest. And that's who we work with. There's business wire. They're also really big and respectable. And there's Globe Newswire, which is the newest of them. Uh, Anybody else is not a real newswire, even though they may have wire in their name. Uh, And a lot of the ones uh, that are out there that have wire in their names are just syndication plays. They're taking your press release and they're syndicating it on a few websites. It happens even with PR Newswire and Business Wire and Globe Newswire. Uh, But syndication isn't very valuable. 
the sections on these websites, like there's a section on Yahoo News that all these press releases show mm, up on. Yes. Nobody's looking in that folder where all these press releases are. Very few people see it. And, I know we did a press release once upon a time and I ended up in like 40 Colorado something one-offs and I went to look at them and you could tell this is just nothing but a place to like collect press releases right you know. and, and that happens with anybody that you use but there are people that's all it does it never really mm. goes to journalists as well with pr newswire it's available to journalists it goes out on feeds directly into newsrooms directly onto journalists computers so it is available to them where these other players that are syndication only they have no relationships with any journalists so the likelihood a journalist ever even sees it is extremely remote and you just want to make sure that you're not, you know, doing that because then you're, you're, the only results you'll ever see is the syndication only. Right. Right. Well, brother, this is awesome. I really appreciate the insights. Uh, I, I actually took some notes that I'm going to be giving to the team and we're going to get to work on it. So I really enjoy it. How do people find you? How do they reach out? How do they get in touch with you? Right. So the website's ereleases.com. I do have a free masterclass that goes through all these strategies of the types of releases that work. So if you're new to press releases or considering, it's a great place to start. Um, it'll give you an audit of your, your business as to what types of releases could be meaningful and work for you. And it's at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And it's completely free. It's about an hour long video masterclass. And I think that's a great place for anybody to start. Um, and we also have our social media on our website. Um, LinkedIn is my direct LinkedIn. It's a great place to reach me. And I actually understand it. I have people in charge of the other social media that's out there, but, uh, uh, at e-releases, we're all, uh, just editors. There's no salespeople or commissions and we work on a la carte basis. Uh, it can really help you, uh, you know, get your first press release in order and get it out there to the media. That's awesome. Well, Mickey, thanks for doing this. Um, guys, if you made it this far, you're still hanging out with us and you got any tips, tricks, any value out of this, do us a favor, take a screenshot of this wherever you're listening or watching this and put it out in your social media channels and tag me and Mickey. And if we see it, we'll come comment, interact, but it just shows that we're hitting on the content you guys are enjoying and want to learn more about. So thanks again, Mickey, for hanging out with me and for you guys that are listening and watching. Love you, man. See you, bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.